are super excited about this series where we're really looking to the Bible for a couple of things uh, because we believe God has the words of life and we believe the Bible is perfect in every way. So we're looking to Scripture so that we learn our Bibles. It's important to learn your Bibles, and if you need a Bible, we have one for you, and you can grab one. But we also want to just, uh, just have a season where we're just encouraged by the stories of those in the Bible. I don't know about you, but what I know about life is we have one hour together a week. And then the other 167 hours of your week, life is pulling on you, demanding on you, taking courage out of you. And I believe it is the good news for a reason, because God wants to put courage in you. And so church should be a place where you're encouraged, not feeling condemned, but feeling empowered and anointed. And I serve a powerful God. And though I'm going through a hard season, God's not going to leave me and he's going to bring me through it. And when we look at the stories of these characters in the Bible... We begin to glean some of, their, some of their lessons and we can apply them to our lives because how many know the Bible is not just something you can know in your head, it's something you can live out in your life that, that God wants you to take the knowledge of the Bible and use wisdom and apply it to your daily life. And that's the difference of knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing something, but wisdom is knowing how to apply that which you know. And until we learn how to get this into our parenting and into our politics and into our life, we will continue to be frustrated and flustered. But, oh, if there was a church, a church of Jesus Christ, who would take these words as truth, and they are, and they would find a way to get them into their everyday life, only heaven knows what we could do in this city. Okay, seven of us. All right, great. All right, so we've... Uh, we've coined kind of a theme verse um, out of this series, Hebrews 12, 1, that says this, Therefore, uh, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us do a couple of things. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So the Bible comes along and says there's a race. You should run that race. And while you're running it, there's a, there's a cheering section in heaven cheering you on. And so if that's the truth, and it is, what is your response to that truth? And it is throw off the things that are keeping you from running. That includes not just sin. Sin is one of them, but I would submit self is another. That we got to throw off distractions and things that may be good, but they're not God. So that we can run our race and we can do it with perseverance. My, my goal today is that you will leave this place ready to go bear hunting with a switch. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Woo, that you're just like, my God is so big, and the problems that felt so big when I got here are no longer big because I got God back to his rightful place. I worshiped, which created a paradigm shift in my perspective, and now I know that with God, all things are possible. And so we've been talking through different Bible characters, and we just reserved one of the best for today, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Come on, you know Mary was a wog. Anybody know what a wog is? A woman of God. <laughs> Mary was a wild man. She was also God's mother, okay? She was a woman of God who birthed God. And we can learn a lot about her, but I believe Mary is one of the most misunderstood characters in Scripture. Some even worship her as if she's deity, and she's not. We honor her. Honor belongs to man. Worship belongs to God. And so when we look at the life of Mary, we realize she was an ordinary teenager used in a supernatural way by God, but she's not someone that we should worship or pray to. And, and people are like, well, why not? Because the Bible never says that. 
And so we honor her for her role. I mean, she birthed our Lord Jesus Christ, and God used her in a supernatural way. But we keep worship reserved for the only one who deserves it, and that is our God. But when you look at the life of Mary, I believe as we're coining maybe a sentence, a a message in a sentence, what would she say to us? I believe Mary's words to us today would be God moments often take place outside your comfort zone. How many want a God moment? How many like comfort? They can't coexist. You can have growth or you can have comfort, but you can't have both. You have to decide what you want. What type of life do you want? And Mary would say, if you want to live a supernatural life, which is God's blessing on your natural life, and I do, and I think you do, you wouldn't be in church if you didn't, then we have to understand most of those moments, those God-ordained, supernatural, can't-make-this-up type of moments exist outside of our comfort zone. Because God is trying to meet with you. God desperately desires to know you. He's a speaking God. As a matter of fact, we don't have a a, a God who doesn't speak. We have a listening problem. God's always speaking, but we have too many of those noises in the earth. That's why the Bible comes along and says, hey, throw off everything that hinders. And sometimes it's not sin, but it's just other noises that are competing for the voice of God, giving you moments in your life that you desperately crave and you desperately desire if you would only turn down the noise of the world. So God is wanting to meet with us and give us these God moments. But we got to learn from Mary's life because there's a few factors, there's a few principles about God moments we all need to know if we're going to step into them. And the first is this. It's really easy to say. It's really hard to live. It's that God moments often seem impossible. Can you imagine how Mary felt when the angel of the Lord came and spoke to her? Can you imagine... uh, how it must have been like when she heard these words from, from God appearing through his angels and giving her a mandate and a blessing and an opportunity. Here's what scripture tells us in Luke chapter 1. It's actually the Christmas story of Mary's life. It says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. We just sang about him. Praise God. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high God. So imagine this pressure. Hey, um, so God has a moment for you. It's, um, it's, it's an honor. It's a blessing. Uh, but you're going to supernaturally conceive a son without the help of a natural man. And it's going to be God. Like, we read the end of the story, and we're cool. We're like, oh, it's so sweet, Christmas, I love Christmas. But, like, can you imagine the moment before you knew how everything was going to play out, the weight of that moment? The Bible says the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The Bible says Mary's response was, how will this be? This is impossible. And many times God is bringing us to moments of destiny and moments of opportunity and moments that he ordained before the foundations of the earth. But we get stuck in the, how will this be? I'm a virgin. It's when we get focused on the facts at the expense of our faith. Mary in this moment was living by the facts of her natural reality versus faith in another dimension in a supernatural reality where God has no limits, God has no challenges, but we are challenged. When God asks us to step out of the place of comfort and pursue a calling and a destiny that we can't see with our natural eyes or comprehend with our natural brains how it could ever be. Are you with me? 
I believe in this room, God is releasing destinies. There are callings that are irrevocable. There are gifts that were put in you, not by a church, but by Almighty God. That if you were able to ever connect to it, you could step into the moments and the destiny that you've always craved but never felt worthy of. But we like God in a box. I like Sunday Jesus. I, I, don't, want, I don't want God to interfere in my Monday flow, man. I, God, can't, God can't have my Tuesday. That's reserved for me. That's me and the boys. Right? And so we kind of stiff arm God when it begins to get uncomfortable. We kind of keep him and go, yo, God, I love you and all, but that's asking too much. For me to believe the impossible and to do things that are outside my comfort zone, it's too much, God. Thank you, but I, I don't know. You feel this tension in worship. That music's rolling. We're at that song three. That bridge is coming in. You are powerful. Come on, you feel it in your spirit, you know, and you're like, I'm going to do it. I can't do it. We just get so limited because we somehow ration down to our minds that this has to be me. This can't be God influencing me. And honestly, in America, I understand the challenge because we're at a disadvantage. We know too much. We, we, we're just too enthralled with knowledge and our ability with technology to have answers at our fingertips. So we think we know better than God. And that's the challenge of us living an impossible life, a supernatural life, is our knowledge becomes our God. This is why you see miracles rampant in third world countries. They don't have another choice. If God doesn't show up and heal, if God doesn't store up and restore this marriage, if God doesn't bring us the breakthrough, I don't have another chance. But here we still have options. And God's looking for a people that would say, even though knowledge and technology is doubling every two years, knowledge is not going to be a God to me. I'm going to serve the one true God. I'm going to trust him for the impossibilities. And no, Jesus looked at them and he's looking at us to say, I know what you're facing. And with man, it may be impossible, but with God, all things are all possible. Nothing's impossible for our God. It's not in heaven's vocabulary. And we have to step outside of our comfort zone like Mary did and realize God moments exist beyond our comfort zone, even if they seem impossible. We also can learn from Mary that we should just say yes. Come on, say that. Just say yes. Just say yes. Nike has the phrase, just do it. And I'm saying we should be that. Just do it. You may not know how, but you can know who. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I know who's the one who's asked me and who's the ones on the other side of me trusting him. Mary's response was, even though I'm a virgin, she said, I am the Lord's servant. My, I, my body don't belong to me. I don't create or call the shots on my life. I look to another to do it. And though I don't understand, God, if you said it, if you, if you said it, I agree with it. And may your word to me be fulfilled. I believe that was the moment she got impregnated, when her words aligned with agreement to the spoken word of God. In that moment, she said, I don't understand, but I'm not going to live in the natural comprehension realm. I'm going to set that aside and trust that what you said is true. And even though I can't see how it's going to infiltrate and change my reality, I'm trusting in another reality, another dimension, a God who is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And I'm trusting he has a plan even though I can't see it. So just say yes. You're like, that's hard. Mary would agree. Because even after she said yes 
And even though it seemed impossible, she stepped into what God wanted to do. Can you imagine what she heard from her parents? You and Joseph couldn't wait. I mean, do you know what kind of reputation we've spent our lives building? And you went and did this? What about Joseph? What's his name? I'm about to take him out. You don't want to see me. What about the Pharisees, the religious people? Isn't it interesting that sometimes the people that should be the most compassionate, church people, are the meanest when you have an issue in your life, that you go through something that nobody understands, but they have all the judgment in the world, even though they hadn't walked a mile in their shoe. May we be a people and a church that we just stay in our lane. I'm not going to live in the lane of judgment because I don't want that to come back on me. I'm going to live in the lane of what I need, and that is mercy and grace and compassion. The Bible says, he who's been forgiven much loves much. Yeah, that's so good. If you're having a problem loving, you have forgotten how much God has forgiven you. Wow. And for me, that's a lot. So we got to say yes to God, understand his word is true, but it's hard. And Mary would have understood that. It's like the story of Jairus in the Bible. J- Jairus, Jairus had a, a daughter. He was a synagogue leader, and he, his daughter was sick. He was a man of God. He was leading in the church. And so he called on the name of Jesus, which is what the Bible tells us to do. Call on the name of Jesus. And Jesus responded. And Jesus was on his way to heal his daughter. Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house. But along the way, somebody else needed a touch. It's where we get the story of the woman with the issue of blood. She had struggled for 12 years with her challenges and her issues. And Jesus still had his intentions intact. But to Jairus' family and his servants, it looked like God doesn't care. Some of you here today have maybe felt that. You called on the name of God. You saw him begin to move close to your situation. But it seems that he's been delayed. It seems that he all of a sudden grew uninterested. May I tell you that God has plans that you do not know about. And as he healed the woman with the issue of blood, he still made his way. But the chief servant said, hey, forget about it. She died. We needed you to heal her, and you didn't make it in time. I love how the story ends because Jesus wasn't threatened. How many are thankful God does not have the emotion of shock? God is not shocked by our challenges. God is not overwhelmed by that which overwhelms us. And in this story, Jesus wanted resurrection. They wanted healing. They limited how God was going to do it. They thought she's sick. She needs to be healed. God said, no, let it get worse, and I'll raise her up. Can we just let God be God in our lives? Can we trust he sees a bigger picture, has a different vantage point, and according to his word in Isaiah, his ways and his thoughts are not ours? Can we just stay in our lane and like Mary say, I'm the Lord's servant, do as you will. I'll just kind of flow with you and not get in the mixture of trying to be God because in this story, Jesus overheard what they are saying. And he said, don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe, believe, believe. Believe. Believe in Jesus. Believe on Jesus. Believe that he's good. Believe that he has a better plan. Though it may be different, it's better than what you could come up with. If we will fight through the impossibilities of how it seems, we will just say yes to Jesus. And then lastly, I believe Mary would tell us, hey, remember, blessings follow obedience. We want it the other way around. Bless me, and then I'll obey. Right? Give me the goods. We treat Jesus more like a Santa Claus than we do a God. 
or we make him our savior because we don't want to go to hell, but we don't make him our Lord. We don't give him the control of our life. We don't let him call the shots and say, look, I'm a better co-pilot than a pilot. I will decrease. You increase. I want you to be my Lord and my savior. We have to realize that a life of blessing comes after a life of obedience. That we have to have our faith greater than the facts of our reality. We have to allow our hope and our faith to be greater than the questions we have even in the middle of our situation. Because notice after in scripture, after, after she agreed to let God do what God wanted to do in her life, even though it was uncomfortable and impossible, she just said yes, trusting that he's a good God. Watch what happened in verse 42. In a loud voice, God sent her a girlfriend that said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. God wants to bless you, but you have to remember and see in Mary's story that that blessing always follows your obedience. But God does it in an unorthodox way. And he's going to do it in a different way. What I have found in my own personal faith life is I can't ever figure God out. I I just have quit giving up. I don't even have opinions anymore. I I just have gotten to the point to where I'm just going to trust that he is who he says he is and he's going to do what he said he will do. And I'm just going to stay in my lane of trusting and learning and obeying, not just being selective in my obedience about what I like, but the whole word of God is applicable according to 2 Timothy 3.16 for correction and rebuke. And Lord, I'm just going to eat the whole meal. I'm not going to pick the appetizer and leave off the entree. I'm not going to chase the dessert and leave off the parts that God wants to feed me his word in its entirety. And I just have to accept that. And I would submit to you, you do too. And I love you, but I'm coming for you today. Because we can learn a lot from Mary's life. And if you fast forward all those things, the just saying yes to God, the overcoming impossibility, and the obedience before the blessing, we see 30 years into his life, 30 years, she begins to see some of the miracle working power, the promise begins to get fulfilled. 30 years later at a wedding, Jesus' first miracle, the Bible says in John 2, 5, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to do, do it. How many know God God, God has a better plan? And whatever he says to do, do that. That we have to learn to trust him in that manner. But you can imagine she had a little bit more experience with Jesus along the way. Can you imagine? Jesus, I'm going to make you and your friends some cookies. Good mothers make cookies. We had cookies last night. I'm going to make you some cookies, but we're out of sugar. I need you to go to the store. I don't want to go to the store. Jesus, mother said go to the store. Look again, mom. <laughs> Bam, sugar. <laughs> I would. You know, he, you know he just used it. She had some experience with Jesus. Yeah. They had a little pool party. She's like, Jesus, get off the water in the pool. <laughs> He's like flexing on his friends. What's up? You know. So she's seen and been with God for 30 years. So she was able to get to a situation that looked impossible and unfathomable and unthinkable and say the words, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, I must mention here, these are the last words of Mary in the scripture. 
So for those who worship Mary or have that experience in other religions, I would say her last words before, before she falls off the pages of the Bible were, don't look to me, look to Jesus. It wasn't about me. I was a vessel. I was willing to be used, but it is all about Jesus. And whatever he says, do it. Look at him. That is great. But I think before Mary goes back into the stands, she would give us some encouragement. Like, yeah, you need to overcome impossible moments. You need to understand hard things are often God. God, God has a, a propensity to put things in your life that don't only get you blessing into the place that you always wanted, but he wants to forge your character along the way. So if we're looking at the life of Mary and saying, how, what can we learn from how you lived your life and went through these impossible moments, even though they were outside your comfort zone, I think, number one, she would say, stay close to God. Stay close to God. And we have a tendency to stay close to God when life is hard. But when that beach is calling and that bush gardens opens up and that weather's nice, that we sometimes put God on the shelf and call him when we need him. And Mary would say, in the good times, stay close to God. In the hard times, stay close to God. Notice in Luke chapter 2, the Bible says, they hurried off. So they saw the miracle. And what do most do after they see a miracle? And it was good because they went and spread the word. But what did Mary do? Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. It would be good for us to have a heart posture of worship. It would be good for us to take moments and to be still and know that he is God. To, to calm ourselves. Let the world hurry around me. But I'm not going to be distracted by a life of hurry at the expense of a life of worship that I'm going to just be worshipful and ponder all the things God's wanting to do. And I can tell you, this is a state that I have to stay in, in planting a church. There are plenty of moments where I'm like, it ain't possible. They came once, they're never coming back. We're going down like the Titanic. But those are lies of the enemy to keep me from the destiny God has for us. That it's not about me, but I have a part and you have a part too. And we have to stay together and be in unison and fight for what God wants to do in our life. Because he wants to do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. But if I'm not in a good pace, I'm not in a good place. And God wants us to calm down, slow down. Because one moment in his presence can give us that assurance that we need in hard times. If you've been through a hard time, you know this. That on paper, in 15 minutes, nothing can change. But if you can be still and turn some worship music on, it's amazing how the assurance and the comfort of the Holy Spirit begins to fill your heart and calm your mind and lay off the weight and the fears that didn't come from God. And he doesn't give you an unsettled mind. The Bible says he gives you a sound mind when you stay close to him. The Bible says in John 15, 5, when you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant, but separated, you can produce nothing. I love how it says it in the NIV in John chapter 15. Well, my page got messed up. I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. We like to be the vine sometimes, but God says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me, and you'll produce much fruit. But apart from me, 
You can do nothing. We've got to stay close to God if we're going to live a God moments type of life. Number two, write this down. We have to step into our divine purpose. Mary had a divine purpose. She did not create her purpose. God created her purpose and invited her into it. And in the same way, God has created a purpose for you and has sent an invitation here at Palm City Church and say, you have the opportunity to step into a divine purpose. Luke 2 says, when Jesus was dedicated, which by the way, we have child dedication here. We baptize believers. We dedicate babies. But then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined. And I would speak that over you as Simeon spoke that over Jesus. Because not only are your children destined for greatness, and that's why we're fighting for them, and that's why we're teaching them, and that's why we're focused on serving elementaries, because the world's coming for our kids, but we're coming as a local church for them. We're here to tell them who they are. This is your identity in Christ. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not below. God has a purpose and plan for your life. Throw off all the distractions and the sin that wants to entangle you and keep you from that, but pursue your God-given destiny and your divine purpose that God has for you. But Mary already knew that. She's the one that had the moment. But how many know after we have moments, we need new moments because we forget and life happens. And she probably went through a lot of ridicule between the moment of the angel and this moment with Simeon. She probably went through a lot of, oh, that's that. Oh, Mary, you know, she's a. And then Jesus on the playground with his friend, you know, he's, he's that illegitimate boy. And so they needed moments, and God was faithful to send God-like faithful people into their life to affirm the gift of God and the calling on their life. And that's why the apostle Paul wrote, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God and, and when, when hands were laid on you. In the same way as Mary had to be reminded, Paul knew Timothy, and we today need to be reminded. You're like, Pastor, why are you always talking about purpose? Why are you always talking about the growth track? Because you need purpose in your life. It's not enough just to come and sit in a seat. It's nice. It's cordial. But that's God in a box when God has so much more for you. So you need to stay close to him. Step into your purpose. I think Mary would tell us, you got to surround yourself with people who encourage you. How many know if you're going to live in a God moment, you can't hang out with negative people? There's going to be haters. There's going to be criticizers. Cynicism's going to be galore. Everybody's going to have an opinion. And you just have to love them, but focus on God and focus on the destiny he's called you to. And focus that he has a plan that no one knows, not even you. But you have to trust by faith that he is doing something you can't even see. That's why the Bible says Mary stayed with Elizabeth. She got, God gave her that God moment. She got out of Nazareth. She got out of the place of the familiar. And some of us are trying to have a God moment and stay in the familiar things. We have to leave those things that have become familiar, our old man, our old lives, sometimes our old friend group. And we got to get around a new group of people. We got to get around the body of Christ, the people of God, and let their faith affirm us because we can't live a positive life with negative people. We got to be around people of faith. That's why the Bible says, let us hold unswervingly. In other words, if you're not around people who encourage you, you're swerving. But if you'll get a friend, and you'll get another friend, the swerving of your faith life will stop. 
There's going to be ups and downs. But you will be anchored in faith. You will be rooted in God's word. And as the scripture says, as we consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. We need some one another's in our life. Do you have a one another? Do you have that friend that really knows what you're going through? Do you have that friend that can affirm the gift of God and the call of God on your life? Or is everybody telling you why it can't work? Is everybody sharing their opinion on how it should be? Are you listening to the voice of man? Are you listening to the voice of the good shepherd? The one who authored your faith and is perfecting it in Christ. We have to surround ourselves with people of like mind. But they're not going to be perfect. i got to let you know. They're not going to be perfect. How many know church is a people who are serving a perfect God while they are letting Christ work His perfection in their imperfection? It can be messy, but it's beautiful too. And Mary, lastly, I think, would tell us something. But it's from this experience. I want to give you the verse first. John 19, the end of Jesus' life. Her destiny, her purpose was God, was Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus' mother, his aunt, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene stood at the foot of the cross. Thank God she had a group. Thank God she had a group of people, some one another's in her life at her hardest moment. Where she even thought through seeing the miracles of Jesus' ministry and the compassion of his life, she probably thought, man, it's getting better and better. But God had a different plan for Christ. And you, can you imagine Mary's pondering all these years? And this is how it's going to end? This is how good you are? That my son has to die? This was the plan? I obeyed before you blessed me. I said yes, even though it was hard and I faced ridicule. I, I did all the things, God, and this is how you're going to let it come together. And Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing near her, which I love that John wrote it, so he's like, he gets to say what he wants. He said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then to the disciple, here is your mother. From that moment on, the disciple accepted her as his own mother. Just imagine with me that moment. We read it, we know the end of the story, so we're good. But imagine that moment with me. Her whole world, her whole life's purpose that was building, building, moving towards this climactic moment is now taking a turn that is unthinkable. And in that moment, she hears her son saying, I, 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 gotta, go, I gotta go pay for Brian Bagwell's sin. I, I, got, I got a purpose, and it, it, it's been great, but I, I can't be your son anymore, but, but John will be, and you guys can take care of each other. Jesus shares these words with her. Can you imagine that moment? What was that like? The agony, the pain. And she was there. She didn't just hear about it. She was one of the ones who were there watching the torture and the pain and the agony. How did she do it? How do we do it? 
for the mom here that can't get over the infertility. For the, for the mom who can't just seem to have anything but a miscarriage, how do, you, how do you get over it? How do you do it when it seems to be getting worse before it gets better? I think Mary would tell us this. You got to see the bigger picture. You got to see the natural through the lens of the supernatural. You got to see your life through the glasses of eternity. And you have to realize that God is doing something you may not understand this side of heaven. But the question becomes, will we trust him? Will we believe he is who he says he was? Will we take him at his word and put our faith in him and trust that he has moments for us and blessing for us on the other side of that type of commitment? Let's pray together. Some of us are in a God moment now. Maybe you've been around church a long time. But you're unsure of where you stand in relationship to God. Maybe, maybe you've never made a commitment to God and you sense, you sense a tugging in your heart in this moment and, it, and it's real. And I would just speak to that and affirm it. And like Simeon said to Jesus over his life, I would say to you, in Jesus' name, you're destined, you're called. God wants a relationship with you. He's trying to have moments with you. He doesn't want to be put in a box. He doesn't want you to follow him partially. That he wants a real relationship with you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to set you on a new trajectory in a new direction that maybe you never thought was possible. But this is a God moment for you. Maybe somebody's here today and you realize you, you have no relationship with God. And you need to start right there. You need just to respond. You need to respond to God. You may be going through life's hardest moments. And I'm telling you, God doesn't create those things, but I do believe he allows them to get your heart softened and to get your attention because he wants the best for you. And sometimes the distractions and the noises of life are just too great for us to see it. And so God had to allow a hard moment to lead you to a God moment. And if that's you today, I want you to acknowledge it by faith. I want you to say, Pastor, that's me. Pastor, by a show of my hand here in just a moment, when I say three, that, that's me. I, I've been in church all my life but I've yet to surrender the control of my life. I'm not living an impossible life. I've boxed God in. I, I know God wants me to be closer than I currently am. And as a matter of fact, I think I was closer to him before than I am right now. And I wanna come back. If that's you in this room, don't miss this moment. This isn't some type of emotionalism. This is God knocking on the door of your heart, giving you an invitation from heaven to respond. If that's you by a show of hands, I'd love for you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm looking for a God moment. I'm looking for a God moment. I'm discouraged, I'm looking for a God moment. I need hope, I'm looking for a God moment. I've, stuck, I've got myself stuck in sin and I need a fresh God moment. 
I've let apathy grow in my heart. I've let complacency get in. I'm living a life of comfort, not a life of calling. And I need a God moment. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. But I want you to pray these words I help you with to God. Say, Jesus, today I give you my heart. I give you my life. And I ask you to create in me a new spirit. I ask you to do a new work in my heart. Open my eyes. Open my ears to the supernatural. I don't want to live an ordinary life and serve an extraordinary God. And so I follow you. I commit to you. And I give you my life wholly and fully. In Jesus' name. And the church said amen. Come on, let's give a moment-making God praise. He's a good God.